This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. This is Mike White, and you can find me on Twitter at I am Mike White. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also subscribe to the subreddit at obsessiveviewer.reddit.com. I changed that up this week and that Did you really? me up. Yeah. Uh, just the, what I said. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you want to help. You so- know, speaking of, speaking of changing up what you said, I, mm-hmm. I changed the on Twitter to the last. I switched the way I said it. You did. I oh, noticed. Yeah. That's how you know it's we're doing it for real, right? It's not. Uh, <laughs> we don't pre-record the the intros. Exactly. Oh yeah. Usually, usually I say and not. Uh, I mean, on Twitter at I am Mike. Or I go mm-hmm. the other way around. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to help support the podcast, go to patreoncom slash viewer or you can simply leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It actually helps us out a ton, and we would really appreciate it if you took the time to just write a quick review on iTunes and preferably give us five stars. So how's it going, guys? We're here to talk about Civil War. How are you guys going? How are you guys doing? Magnificent. It's good. Very good. Great. Get to do a movie review. I feel like I haven't done a movie review in a year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because whenever you come back, we always do extended potpourri and stuff like that. We do potpourris. We do we do topics and stuff. But I've always felt some of our best stuff is reviews. So I'm Me excited. too. Oh yeah, this is very exciting, and this is a big one too. Um, but before we actually get to that review, we, I just have a few like news updates and, and housekeeping things to do. The first thing that I want to bring up is just really briefly, again, I mentioned it last week, but I've relaunched my solo side project podcast anthology, which is a podcast exploring science fiction anthology storytelling during television's first golden age, beginning with the Twilight Zone. Basically, I'm going through the Twilight Zone and reviewing one episode of that show per week and uh, also doing a supplemental review of a related title um, each week. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. You can find that at anthologypod.com. And then also, uh, this was this was pretty awesome because I was in the theater for Civil War when I got the notification of this, but um, this guy, John Stark at macthemovieguy.com, he reblogged our, um, uh, our summer box office challenge and he went through and made his own that is incredibly extensive. Like, he went through his top 19 plus honorable mentions. He even critiqued our picks and had some very, uh, very, uh, very choice but appropriate, uh, critiques for mine because, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, for brevity, I'm not, I'm not going to go through all of his stuff, but I'll have the link for that in the show notes. And you can also find the show notes and links and everything to everything we discuss in this episode at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV167. And, uh, and then let's see. And then also uh, I will be on a future episode of Film Schlub's Film Talk uh, that should be dropping sometime in the next week or so We're gonna, uh, to talk about Green Room. I mentioned that last week. And then uh, Tiny, you've been doing some recording too. I have, yeah. I uh, took a hiatus, basically, from my side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, uh, and I recorded uh, last night with Chad, and uh, there's a new new host that's been on there for uh, a few months now. She's really awesome, so it was the three of us. I had a fantastic time. I think I'm going to start recording more with them. Um, we're up to 60 episodes over there now. Nice. 60th episode, so yeah, look for me more over there if you're into that. 
Nice. And that's at thesecularperspective.com. Yes, sir. Well, this is a big review for us because it's likely going to hopefully be the biggest uh, box office uh, performance of the of the summer, I think, and to kind of give a, a give an update on our summer box office challenge uh, for our bonus questions, we each picked which movie in the top ten will have the highest uh, opening weekend box office performance. And if I'm not mistaken, Mike, you guessed 180 million dollars for Captain America: Civil War, and it made 181. So sweet, I'm a genius, right? <laughs> I had a feeling, guys. I had inside info. I, I, that, you know, that's the only explanation I have. I, I don't, I picked 250 million. (laughs) So anyway. I mean, that's cute. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, um, so before we get into the actual review, we're basically going to have a big spoiler section for this because, I mean, everyone's seen it and most likely everyone's going to have seen it by the time they listen to this. So... Before we get to our overall thoughts and spoilers for it and everything, I just want to kind of go around and uh, find out how we watched the movie and what the experience was like if we watched it in 2D, 3D, IMAX. Were there 3D viewings? Were there 3D showings? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there were. It was in the 3D. Mm -hmm. Um, Really? Yeah. So, Tiny, how did you watch this movie? Uh, I saw it a regular 2D um, at Glendale here in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. uh, with my girlfriend on Saturday. Uh, I felt bad because she had not seen Age of Ultron. Oh. And like, I was like, I can just go by myself. And she was like, no. And uh, so I gave her like, I gave her like a synopsis of Age of Ultron so oh. she wouldn't be lost. Um, but it was, uh, I mean, it was, the theater wasn't full, but it was at least three quarters capacity. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Hmm. Mike, how about you? I saw it on Thursday night. Uh, I'm trying to think of... What I had to do? Oh yeah, I uh, I had to like do. I had a little <laughs> little gig at my wife's art show that I played. Uh, so we had to see kind of a, a later show. So we went to see at nine thirty uh, in Evansville. I saw it in two D, which is the only way I would see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, regular screen, not IMAX. Saw it with my buddy Jake. It was our regular Thursday night movie. And I'd say the theater was. Uh, it started out like there's there are no lines anymore. It's not really like a big deal to get in, mm-hmm. uh, which I, as an anxious person that that helps a lot. But um, I do kind of miss the fanfare of the whole thing. That's that's kind of gone. There were plenty of empty seats. Right. Hmm. Well, you still have Star Wars for that, so. Uh, I suppose. Yeah, and even then, I just straight walked in. Really? I mean, we Did had you? we had tickets to ten thirty and got there an hour early, uh, oh. and there were no lines. And wow. I just said, "Can I exchange my ticket for a nine thirty show?" And they said, "Yeah." Was this opening weekend? And was, opening night? This was opening night. Really? Yep. Not we, not a full theater. Huh. Yeah. We were in line. Yep. We had to park. We didn't even. We couldn't even park in the parking lot of the theater. We yeah. had to park in in a lot next to the uh, property. Yeah. The line, the line we, was outside. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Oh. Parking was weird, but we, they do, and I don't know how they do this or how they afford this, or they have some deal where they can show as many showings as they have. Mm-hmm. They have a, a show about every fifteen minutes at our movie theater. Yeah, hmm. is that hmm. the case where you guys are? 
for the, most of the theaters, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like mostly like the obviously the bigger theater capacity ones have it have it like that. I know that I know that like the theater that I prefer in the area, it's it's Traders Point here in Indianapolis. It's been having I don't know if they're struggling or what, but they've been having like lower. Or they haven't been having like as many late showings during the week. Like it's like I'll go to a seven thirty, eight o'clock showing and that's like the last showing of the night and by the time I get out, like they're breaking down the concessions and everything. Yeah. And they so, did that they did that to us a little while ago at Showplace. They they kinda right. nixed uh late shows. In fact AMC on the west side doesn't show late shows at all anymore, uh, which was kind of uh a bit of a conflict for me because I had class on Thursday nights and so uh-huh. we had to go to uh, either on Wednesday, but then around the holidays, Showplace, I guess, uh, uh, figured out their stuff. So they've got, uh, nine o'clock shows and 10 o'clock shows. But, um, yeah, even, even on Star Wars, we, we straight walked in. Wow. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I saw it in 2D on Saturday, um, a Saturday matinee with a pretty, a pretty large, uh, theater. Uh, it was mostly not not to capacity, but I mean it was it was a pretty sizable thing, probably eighty five percent filled. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I know that I do this a lot. I know that I do, but my God, I just need to just really just rant for just a second. Um, kids, man, kids in the theater. Like I get it. I, okay, I understand they're kids. They can't, you know, like it. it I understand and everything, but. There were kids in the theater, like a kid right behind me that was kind of like talking throughout it, like his his parents kept shushing him and everything. So it was fine. It was not not uh, not disruptive or anything. But the kid sitting two seats next to me was speaking to his father at full volume throughout the entire movie. Ugh. And the dad did not do a single thing. And I'm like and like in that situation, like I'm I'm getting to the point with like people disrupting theater viewings for me that i'm i'm like on the cusp i'm i'm not a confrontational person so i'm like on the cusp of like telling them to just please shut up like i almost did that with 10 cloverfield lane but like i just resisted and i just changed my seat but this one like like in this situation it's like it's a kid so you can't like i feel like i can't like look to the guy and be like hey control your kid because that's like that's kind of a i mean i don't want to do that i don't want to tell someone that their kid is an asshole, but <laughs> I just well, it's, it's, just... it's not the kid. The guy's the ass. Oh, I agree completely, and I, it's it's just I like I don't like I'm not a confrontational person, so I don't want to say that to just a regular person talking. But I will if I'm it, like I'm slowly getting to the point where I'm just going to be like, hey, shut up, or hey, please be quiet, or something. But like I just feel like a kid, I can't do that, even when the kid is running around during the Jungle Book and and. Oh God! I just, I just, I need, I, I just don't think. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I hate these experiences where, um, my viewing experience is disrupted because people don't, don't appreciate that we're in a theater and that people can hear them, and it's just, it's so aggravating to me, because I'm good. I'm good during the movie. <laughs> I don't say anything. Yeah. And it's just, oh God, yeah. I think you're within your right to say something too, because especially because of the fact that you're pay, you paid money to be there, right? And yes, movies are yeah. so expensive now. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think you're completely justified. Mm-hmm. 
This is a whole. I mean, this is a whole podcast. Episode. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. About oh. theater yeah. etiquette and the conditions and and the the status of theaters mm-hmm. these days. It's it's really kind of a shame. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and and yeah, I just wanted to just mention that just as a as just a small get it off my chest rant. Um, also, <laughs> uh, Pat at the Pat and Tyler both at the nerds you're looking for. They on their episode reviewing this, they mentioned that they had like Pat had like a whole family that was that was sitting like right next to them, and he has this whole story where like <laughs> like the father was like having a conversation with Pat during the movie. Oh my god! And it's like oh, that's no. that's my nightmare. Like no like no don't just just stop we're not in this together it's <laughs> wow yeah so i definitely sympathize with that but anyway i saw it in 2d pretty packed theater what i noticed though is that the theater i was in it i don't know if it was just the theater or or what but the sound was kind of quiet or maybe it was because a kid wouldn't shut the f- up right next to me but <laughs> like i couldn't like it was i kind of wished it was louder and i and I don't want to shell out the extra money for IMAX and I don't want to see it in 3D, but I'm reaching the point where maybe I'm going to have to because if like that kind of thing keeps happening, I kind of want to, I kind of feel like I'm not getting the full effect in a, in a normal theater these days. And that's kind of a, I don't know, that's kind of a shame because I don't want to see it in 3D. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So why don't we go ahead and get into our overall thoughts of, the movie this will be just kind of a broad strokes thing and then we'll go ahead and jump into a uh, a spoiler heavy discussion and we'll have a full spoiler warning and everything before we get into that but right now we're just going to do our broad strokes thing and mike since you are our resident comic book nerd and you and you know this world better well really at this point i feel like it's more the cinematic universe than anything so i feel like we're kind of almost maybe not on even ground but maybe you don't have as much of a a, a thing above us with with comic book dumb but what what were your thoughts on civil war and yeah what well were your broad I, thoughts? you know i think you bring up an interesting point uh about how how we're kind of on an even playing field and um i was talking to a former student about the movie and he said uh as a comic book fan some of it bothered him and it bothered him that uh, you know, it wasn't the Superhuman Registration Act, and the thing that's called Civil War was not uh, the Civil War he knew. And I had to say, you know, maybe you'll grow out of that because when I was your age, that kind of stuff pissed me off as well. But mm-hmm. this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It 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 really has uh very little to do with the comic book universe that we're used to. And and really, anybody that still hung up on that. Um, I, I think you're 10 years too late to care about that sort of thing, right? It's a completely different universe. There are different stories. The title Civil War and the idea of Civil War is a, is a property. They're, they're cashing in on your memory and nostalgia. Uh, they're cashing in on the idea that maybe you haven't even read it, but you know what it's about and it's a popular thing. And they're also cashing in on uh, this cool idea. So no, the movie doesn't have to have anything to do with the comic books except that it features some of the characters and they so show you some uh nods. So, uh I guess I'm going to agree with you. It, mm-hmm. You know, if you guys have questions about who a character is or some of the easter eggs, I think that's where my expertise comes into play, but as far as the cinematic universe, I I, I kind of like that we're on an even footing. Me too. Um That said, I think the movie is is fantastic. Um 
I, I think there are there were some parts where it got a little slow, and I and I definitely want to talk about that. And I don't think it was a perfect movie. Um, I talk a lot about movies that I think are are transcendent movies, movies that either define or or transcend, move above uh, the genre. And I think about superhero movies that are transcendent. And I've said The Dark Knight is the transcendent movie. Uh, more recently, I said The Winter Soldier. I think is a transcendent movie. Uh, the Civil War, I don't think transcends. I, I think it's um, um, it's it's really good. I don't I don't think it does a whole lot new. That said, though it doesn't transcend, it might be, and we'll get into this. And and you know me, I like grand proclamations. Uh, <laughs> it might be the best comic book movie I've ever seen. It's definitely the best Avengers movie. <laughs> and I'll say uh, what I mean by that is it, it's it's only it's only a captain's captain america movie by by what i think is contractual obligation right by by all means it's an avengers movie by all means it's avengers 3 um we can get into that if you guys want but i i think it's the best marvel movie i think it's one of if not the best comic book movie if and i and i don't if you don't count the winter soldier and the dark knight because they're there's something else they're transcendent so yeah really good can't wait to talk about it can't wait to spoil some stuff nice Tiny, how about you? Uh, I agree very wholeheartedly with uh, with Mike. Um, but I, I remember as I was sitting there watching it, I'm just I was just thinking throughout it that uh, you know the Russo brothers really set themselves uh, they set themselves up incredibly well with Winter Soldier because, like Mike said, that is a transcendent film. And I think that's a, that's a great term or a great word to descriptor descriptor for that uh for the genre or the the effect that that movie had um and i, I think with with civil war i i feel like they have uh supplanted um uh joss whedon as the the center the epicenter of the marvel cinematic universe mm-hmm. uh they they more than took over the reins from joss whedon uh it, yeah. it's it's just joss whedon's known for his really deep and rich characters, and I think the Russo brothers, they they I think they outdo him in some, in some instances with, uh, with the choices and the directions that they take their characters in. Um, I agree. There's depth, absolutely. Uh, that's that's there. I mean, you you could make an argument that this entire movie is a character study. I mean mm-hmm. that that's and that's so impressive given how how fun and. Uh, enthralling the action is in this movie and how how much comedy there is um but at the at the end of the day i was just sitting there at the end of the movie i was just sitting there just amazed at how how familiar i was with all of these characters i mean this as far as appearances go this blows every other movie out of the water i mean there's so many people in this and i feel like we got we got a nice snippet of every character uh, may, maybe you could make it, you could definitely make a case against some of them, but I I was satisfied with what we got as far as uh, addressing that typical problem where you kind of overflood or uh, you know overdo it with with uh, cameos and and uh, characters appearing in a movie. Um, they just they, their their ability to balance the Russo brothers' ability to balance a movie is just just blew me away. And uh, they continue to do it with every new movie, so I, I was I, I was shocked that I was blown away, but I really was. Okay, so my thoughts on it, 
okay, so I'm going to preface this, and this isn't really a fair, well, I mean, it's a very fair comparison because it's both very, they're both in the same context and, and it's both recent and everything, but I don't want to mar this review or I don't want to, I don't want to hammer home this comparison in this review, but it's so frustrating to me that Marvel can make such a good movie that feels so effortless while DC had Batman V Superman. <laughs> and all I'm, all I'll say on that note is that if DC and Warner brothers had hired the right people and put up, put the same amount of time and creativity in their movies and kept Zack Snyder as far away from that franchise as they could have, uh, we could, we could have theoretically had two huge successful superhero cinematic universes right now. Yeah. And that's just, it's so frustrating to me. So, I won't go in. I won't compare to Batman v Superman anymore. I just wanted to say that beforehand. But my God, this movie was so freaking good. <laughs> yep. It was. Uh, I just like Tiny said, just the balance that the Russo brothers have on on all of these characters. And yes, like yeah, Mike, you're totally right that this one this this is an Avengers movie. This is this is an Avengers movie. This is Iron Man four. This is Captain America three. All in all in one, but it's mostly Avengers three and. It's I don't even mind. It's it's fine. It's totally fine for me because it's so well done and it exists in this world that has so much already in the past 10 years, 8 years, so much history built into it and like that's the reason why I I'm in love with the cinematic universe, what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is because it is transplanted from my perspective, it, as someone who hasn't read comic books and has never been into comic books, it's transplanted the experience of the comic book fan to the medium that I love, which is movies. And it's it's because you've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you've got Agent Carter, all of these little side things that are like they feel like one off one off things and side plots that that run concurrently with what's going on in the main story. But you don't need to read them or watch them. Um, at the same time, and all of this... which is which is library comics, by the way. Right, and we were talking about that today. You don't have to have it all. Exactly, and yeah. that's exactly what I'm saying. There's stuff in this. There's stuff in this movie that uh, that plays on that. Like you'll get more appreciation of it if you follow those those tangential things. But it, by no means do you need to. And I just I I I loved it. I I don't know what else to say without going into spoilers but it's just the the action is so well done um i thought that some of the set pieces early on though were a little i think i was so i think the problem the not problem that i had but the issue that i had from my perspective was that i had basically when the russo brothers made winter soldier like the style of combat the way that they they made um they made Cap's movements and his action and choreography feel so much better than the first movie and how like he used his shield so so perfectly and it was just shot extraordinarily well. All of that was kind of kind of novel and kind of new. So seeing it again in this movie, seeing all of these movements movements and everything didn't really have that same effect on me. So I docked it a little bit early on. But there's one sequence in this movie that I swear to God, it might be my favorite of any Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Nice. Because it is wow. so amazing. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the storyline was was fantastic. There are people who have been saying that they feel like it was overcrowded and and like kind of the, you know, obviously if if you feel if you put in a bunch of different characters into one movie, they're gonna it's gonna feel overcrowded. I didn't for a second feel like any of this was overcrowded. No, um, not not me. 
Okay. Yeah. And and we'll talk more in spoilers, but my God, I can't wait for the Spider-Man movie. I can't wait for Black Panther. Yeah. I thought Chadwick Boseman was amazing. Yeah. And and Tom Holland was just perfect. Like, yeah. There's when he's on screen, like I was just in awe. I had the dumbest grin on my face <laughs> because it felt so it felt so special to me. And I'm not even a Spider-Man fan by by like the comic book thing. I I I liked I really liked the first two movies uh that Sam Raimi did. I thought that Amazing Spider-Man with its faults was okay, but seeing seeing him portrayed in this way it's just it feels so right to me. Um yeah, and I just I loved that and I can't wait to see more on that on that. And yeah, overall I just I just loved it. I loved it. It's I I absolutely loved it. I I let's go into spoilers cuz yeah. I'm I'm beating around the bush with a lot of this. So okay, any more broad thoughts, guys? No. No. All right. No. Well, we're going to go ahead and just jump right into spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, please uh, pause the podcast, go watch it, then come back or skip ahead to the potpourri section, which you can find a timestamp for that in the show notes of this episode or at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV167. They're coming for you. I'm not the one that needs to watch their back. This doesn't have to end in a fight, Tony. You just started a war. Stay down. Final warning. I could do this all day. And spoilers on right now. So... So do you guys want to start with, like, maybe uh, uh, before we get into gushing about the movie, maybe talk about uh, some of the things we didn't like, some of the things maybe that didn't work, or even we can talk about uh, some, of the, some of the things that we've heard that people don't like uh, and kind of debunk those or argue those? I, I like that idea, especially the parts that people didn't like, because I, I think a very interesting place to start is the... the dis- I don't know about disparity, but the differences between the way Civil War works out in this film versus the comics. Yes, that's exactly where I was going to start. Um, essentially, does is the Sokovia Accord enough of an inciting uh, incident for you? Is, is that conflict enough, as opposed to uh, the comic book's Superhuman Registration Act? Which, again... Who, don't don't stop worrying about the Superhuman Registration Act. This is not that. So so give it up, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't bother me. And the thing is, I'm not really familiar with the the human the non-human registration act, or, or that's not really something I'm too familiar with. So yeah. I mean, I think I think the way they wove together the conflict and the uh, the experience of this and and all the characters, everything really comes together beautifully in this movie i don't care because it <laughs> i didn't see i didn't see it coming and it really it really shocked me and uh, i mean i think everybody played it really well yeah well what i've said is uh there are no secret identities in these movies so why are you talking about a registration act the registration act had to do with um you know trying to get 
all superheroes to register with the government. So basically they had to register their real names and, and that kind of thing. So it's a little similar in that they're uh, they're working for the government, but it really had to do with secret identities, and there there are none in the MCU. It seems like the MCU is kind of just actively against the whole secret identity thing because... Yeah, kind of. Well, except Spider-Man. Well, yeah, Spider-Man is just about the only one. Like, even even Black Panther, like, it's revealed who he is as soon as he's on the, on the scene, and uh, and Bucky, Bucky Barnes is all over the news, and, like, the first movie of the entire MCU ends with Tony Stark saying, I'm Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's, yeah, it would be, it's silly to expect the source material to be handled or, or to adapt to the source material as it's written because they've created their own universe in this, exactly. in this and, franchise. And, you know, and, and we've, we've hammered that point home. So uh, what I'm really trying to get at is uh, just really aside from that. So let's ignore the comparisons to the Superhuman Registration Act. Okay. Do you believe there were two uh, effective arguments? Uh, between uh, uh, Tony and Steve. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it was a pretty good depiction of their differing ideologies. And, and it's kind of – it plays up the whole Captain America is a Boy Scout and he's going to do right no matter what. In uh, what I kind of wish – I'll I'll need to see a second viewing of this of the movie to see if it's it's there and maybe I just missed it because there's a lot in the movie but I kind of wish that it would have played up, um, and maybe eh, maybe it wouldn't even have fit but I kind of wish it would have played up uh, Captain America's history like he's he's seen what happens when governments interfere like he was in World War II and he's seen yeah, what happens right. when total control is given or when control is relinquished to someone who doesn't who uses it nefariously or horribly. Oh. But, you know, they don't have to show that, and that's what's so great. Like, we know that, and I think that's a that's a strong – like, that's confidence in your characters and the story that you're telling uh, on the part of the Rooster Brothers that they didn't need to do that. Yeah, the, there's so, so much foundation has been laid that you don't need to – you don't need to – to reference it okay. all, all that much, and I, that's, I, I'm with you on that. That is a, a very, very good choice on their part. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, go ahead. Oh, I, I agree. I just kind of wish that it was more – that it was presented as more of his his bigger issue with it, or it, it was. I kind of wish that it was more of his inner turmoil was about you know that reason exactly. Like I kind of wish that it was depicted a little bit more for my liking. But I totally see your guys' points. I I thought that both sides. Uh, I think we got an accurate uh, depiction. I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for words. The movie's that good. (laughs) I think we see a good amount of both sides. Uh, I will say, however, there are times where I think that, uh, the Russo brothers, they kind of tip their hand and show you that they're on Captain America's side. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, but I think, I think that's, which is okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's a bad thing because I feel like, uh, Tony Stark and Iron Man is such an he's such an emotionally driven person even yeah. though he tries to keep that part of himself guarded it's it's very plain that he's a very emotionally driven person and that's why he makes the decisions he makes in this in this film is because he is just racked with guilt and yeah. and yeah. and I love the way they depicted it in this movie they didn't slap us over the face with it um because like Mike said, it's right there. You don't they don't need to reference it. It doesn't need to be a right. heavy-handed thing. We all know what's going on here. Um and and I think 
I think there could have been a little bit more dialogue that kind of fleshes that out. Someone could have called attention to the fact that he's that I think Tony's overreacting. Um, but I don't necessarily miss that it wasn't there. I guess. I mean, because because I think I think the conflict at when it all comes to a head and you see the the huge big fight with everybody, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of fun more than it is right. daunting. Yeah. And so they save the big heavy like rip your heart out conflict mm-hmm. for the conclusion of the or the, the climax of the film. I can't wait to talk about that. And that yeah. that I'm glad they did that because it made that it made that climax so much more pertinent and mm-hmm. and and heavy. Um so I I mean I I kind of like I kind of like the way that they didn't necessarily flesh everything out or they I I think I think the motivations of the characters and the two opposing sides I'm fine with it. it while it was imperfect I those imperfections are really not a big deal. Yeah. There go ahead. Uh, I just want to say I I didn't have a problem with with the actual conflict between between them themselves and I agree completely that I think the Russo brothers were definitely team cap. Yeah. Um it's even in like the uh the wardrobe of of Tony at least in that scene um where is it the the sometimes I want to punch your perfect teeth uh yeah. scene like it's he's his clothing is patterned after past like villains like uh I'm thinking Robert Redford in yep. Winter Soldier or yeah Winter Soldier and it's just I mean it's clear and I, I don't mind that at all I thought that it is it's depicted very well and yeah well, and we can talk about, uh, you know, it's always fun to talk about what side you're on, and and um, you know, kind of kind of where where we can go from there. Um, and we'll and we'll talk about that in a second. But there there's a scene uh, about halfway through the picture, and I'm and I'm and I'm um, quoting my friend Dustin here, who's been on the podcast before. Uh, so if he's listening, hi Dustin. We talked about this on the phone about three hours ago. Uh, the moment where, uh, before some heavy stuff goes down and they arrest, uh, Steve Rogers, um, for the, for the chase on the streets with Black Panther and Bucky, um, and they bring him in and Tony is trying to convince Steve to, to join their side. And he, and he shows him the pens and he says, you know, this, these were my father's and, and please sign. And you just, you really... You get the sense that Tony is so desperate to have Steve on his side. He just, he is so desperate to convince him, um, not necessarily that he's right, but that he wants him on his side. And, and I love that for so many deep reasons. I love that because, um, he knows, I think, he knows that Steve Rogers is the best of them. Right, kind of reminds me of the Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, he knows Captain America is the best of them. He also knows that while they have done bad things to get good things done, he is almost jealous of Steve Rogers that uh, he's able to keep doing what he's doing without being racked by this guilt. So he's like, "Why can't you know?" It's almost like Tony is saying that he's giving up his own power to the government, why can't Captain America also give up his? What What can I do to maybe bring him down to my level? Which is why I think, you know, the Ruth, Russo brothers are so uh, forcefully showing us that, that um, 
Captain America is this perfect good. He's kind he's the hopeful one, right? He's um he dare I say that this podcast gets too political. He's kind of the liberal one, right? He he is um the one who sees that yeah, there are bad things about being too accepting, but if we hope and believe in people, the the best things happen, right? That's that's what Captain America is. And I think in that scene Tony Stark is showing that he believes that and he wants Cap to be on his side. Wow, I think you yeah. I think you deconstructed that pretty flawlessly. Right. That was or perfect. Dustin did. Yeah. <laughs> well, we hashed it out together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I, that's spot on. I I agree completely. Uh yeah. I also think part part of the motivation in that that scene is that Tony just he just wants to feel better. Mm-hmm. He just yeah. feels like crap and he wants he wants a band-aid to make him feel better and the right. the Sokovia Accords is that band-aid. And he wants he wants it to be a sweeping thing to make him feel better and feel more secure. So I, I, again, I think, I think his emotions play a big, his emotional, his knack for uh, making decisions based on his emotions mm-hmm. plays a big role in that as well. But that, I agree that scene was really incredible. I I've mentioned before how in the Marvel cinematic universe, you know, like when the first Avengers movie came out, people, People loved the dialogue scenes more than they liked the action scenes, right. and I think this is a continuation of that. You know, the, the Russo brothers have taken up that mantle and continued the uh, the the concept of quality dialogue and and you know, uh, working your characters. They they have a reason why they're saying what they're saying. It's not just <laughs> they're not just posturing and trying to be badasses. They're they're people, you know. And I I really res- I just love that they're doing that because what's a great story needs great characters and yeah, pulling that off. Yeah. And just, and I, I like what you said, tiny about, about, uh, um, Tony wanting a bandaid because his life is kind of in the crapper in this movie. And yeah. he's kind of like from the beginning, we see him, uh, uh, with his VR tech thing, augmented reality, whatever you want to call it, where, uh, um, He's he's talking about his his parents and reconciling their loss and everything his loss of them, and then his uh, peppers peppers gone, and he's got Dean Pelton pestering him in the hallway, uh, or pestering him on the stage, and then <laughs> and then he's got the guilt of the mother of the the guy in Sokovia. It's just it's I like that he is frantic to feel peace and he's yes. reaching out to any any means to do that even if. I don't know even if objectively it's it's the wrong idea um or it's, or it's not a good idea for them to do it if if Captain yeah. America's right but he's still in a place where he needs it and it comes through so well in the movie It's a, it's very endearing for Tony Stark Yeah mm-hmm. I finally for the first I've liked all the movies uh and I've liked everything that Tony Stark is in and I and I particularly like Robert Downey Jr but I've never felt for Tony Stark and I don't know I'm not sure that we're ever supposed to uh and and this I think was the first time where again like you said Matt I I don't agree with his perspective I'm I'm team cap all the way uh, and I'm and I'm kind of the hopeful guy I I see it now I get it now and I and I feel for Tony Me too Me too Yeah Poor guy. Um, With his billions of dollars. Another thing. 
Another thing that people I've heard complain about uh, is that Helmet Zemo is is wasted. He's kind of a big Captain America villain, uh, and people are saying that he is he is uh, doesn't have enough to do. I I uh, I don't know if I disagree with that because I don't know the context of of the character or anything, but. I thought that his the characterization of the villain in this movie this movie didn't even really need that much of a villain and his his entire his arc through the movie and his plan is is a little convoluted and a little um it's a little contingent on chance just just a tad but yeah I mean my god that ending like at the end when when you realize that his whole like he's breaking up the avengers and he and he's using it because uh, Bucky killed Tony's parents. Like, I was floored at that moment. And yeah. what amazing. Me too. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I totally didn't see it coming. And, I was delight, delightfully shocked. Right. And uh, and we're jumping around a little bit, but we can go ahead and talk about this, about the ending now, and then we can go back and talk about the set pieces and characters and everything. But um, yeah. the moment when Tony goes in. And, and like, like Bucky and Steve see him and, like, in that moment in the movie, like Tony's there to make amends. He's there to stop the super soldiers and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm all for it. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, Oh, all the marketing, the trailers, like I've seen this, they're going to fight. The three of them are going to yeah. fight, duke it out and everything. And I'm like, what could possibly happen? Yeah. That well, would cause I was this. So glad I was worried that they were going to take on five winter soldiers. I was, oh, me like, too. This would be a really lame end to this movie if this is how it's tied up i I'm, i hope they figure this out after seeing after seeing the way it played out i definitely like in retrospect was like yeah that would have been a that would have been disappointing um, yeah. but like in the moment i was i was amped up i was all for it and then the moment that you realize that i'm like I, it blew my mind it absolutely blew my mind and i felt the emotion in that scene and and the emotion of steve knowing and and that steve is so honest and and he that he tells he tells tony that he knew about it it's just it's so it's so heartbreaking and and i mean it's it's just it's it was an incredible moment and and everything and yeah yeah tiny what do you think oh i agree i thought it was a remarkably effective misdirect Uh, Mm -hmm. i i would i'd call i'd call bs on anyone who says they saw that coming (laughs) um that was really well done i've I've talked to a couple people who did oh really Yeah. yeah Uh, maybe they did, but I, I just, I find it hard to believe. Um, it, it was so effective. And it, like I said, it just makes that, that final climax so, uh, I guess that's a bit of a redundancy there, the final climax. <laughs> um, it makes the climax of the film so much, it gives it so much more weight and it makes it, 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 it absolutely pulls in the audience because you're so invested at this point. It, it just, it just hit every single, it just hit every single note that it needed to hit to get you to that point where you're just on the edge of your seat at the very end there. Uh, and yeah, I, I really like the way they did that. The, like, cause I mean, this movie didn't need a villain. Right. The, the villain is just, the villain is an intangible idea that's internally ripping apart this group that we've become so, uh, comfortable with and become so mm-hmm. familiar with and fallen in love with in so many different ways. Um, yeah. that you don't, you didn't need a, a physical person or whatever, an actual vi- villain to, uh, to rip, to rip them apart. All, all you needed was an idea. And, mm-hmm. and that was, that's what's so powerful about this movie. 
You know, speaking speaking of the villain, and and uh, that's kind of why I brought this up. And you know, the 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 disappointment in Baron Zemo, uh, Hel- Helmet Z- Zemo. Uh, I you know, I'm really frustrated with all of these uh, so-called forever comic fans that are coming out of the woodworks and saying, "Oh, they ruined Helmet Zemo," or "They ruined this," and "They ruined this." Um, and I. You know, I claim to be a pretty big comic book fan, but I'm also of the mind that if I don't know something, I'm not going to pretend that I knew about it. I had no idea who Zemo was. I mean, I I had a passing, uh, I've heard the name and I've seen a comic, but I'm you wouldn't call me a, a Baron Zemo fan. Because nobody is. Nobody gives a <laughs> fuck about Zemo. And to claim that they ruined him is bull. You you just want to be in on something, and that's really um. There, there's there's one type of person who pretends they like comics, but they didn't before, and that's fine. The more people who love comics, the better, I think. But the people who claim to be a fan of something that even fans of comics don't give a about really pisses me off. Um. But anyway, uh, uh, regarding Zemo, he might as well have been called Mr. MacGuffin, I think. A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and to that end, I think that's okay. Because like you said, Tiny, really, uh, the, the villain is the conflict between the two of them. We just needed some sort of inciting action uh, to get them there. So I, I don't know. It just kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit that people were, people were pissed off that they, uh, quote unquote, ruined Zemo or wasted him. It's like, shut up. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about Zemo. Nobody in the Marvel Cinematic Universe cares. And I guarantee you didn't care about Baron Zemo before this movie came out, or before before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because I sure didn't. Anyway, <laughs> we have jumped around. Um, Spider Man. Oh, yes. Man. L- okay. Let's talk about the new additions: Spider Man and yeah. Black Panther. Please. Let's let's start with Spider Man. Yeah. Where do we start with? That? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, if if I could share, I, I feel like I'm dominating this episode. I'm sorry. I was really excited about this movie. Excited about this podcast. Um, so (laughs) if I could kind of pat myself on the back, uh, really quick there, um, (laughs) there was a moment in the theater where, uh, or in the movie where they're kind of talking about, you know, they need backup, they need more people and, uh, and, uh, Black Widow goes, where, where is the person? Like, I know about the guy in the basement, but where's the guy you're talking about? And I turned to Jake and I go, he's in Queens. And Queens (laughs) showed up on the screen and I was... (laughs) It was one of those, I'm so proud of myself because I'm the coolest person in the world moments. <laughs> I caught 721 Pokemon, people. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but man, as soon as he showed up, it, it was awesome. I, I hesitate to say he's the best iter- iteration of because it was really, uh, it, I mean, it was more than a cameo, but um, more, more a special feature than anything. Uh, so I'll I'll kind of hold judgment of the, him being the best Spider-Man until uh, I see a Spider-Man movie. But man, it was really good. Yeah, I've yeah. heard people like coming out of the coming out of the movie and and immediately saying like, "Oh, it's the best iteration of Spider-Man. It's the best. It's the best Spider-Man movie, and it's a Captain America movie." And <laughs> yeah, like that's well, I get that, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I get that it's exciting and and everything, but I mean. There, there's a decent amount of screen time and everything, and I just, I don't know. It made me really it. 
just seeing uh, seeing him and seeing him in that fight, which we will talk extensively about that sequence, but seeing him in the moment doing his doing his little quips and everything and trying to impress Tony and being a teenager, it was just so beautiful. <laughs> and and yeah. it just I it made me so excited to to see his standalone movie and knowing that um uh that Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in the movie too is makes me so happy because their chemistry is gonna be so great and it's it's a great way to introduce him into this universe uh by playing up the these two characters and like when i when i saw that they were going to queens for it like i immediately thought like okay yep here we go it's it's spider-man i i had a smile on my face and it didn't come away um at any point after that when he was on screen but just i i just freaking loved it i loved it so much we'll talk more about the the big set piece and everything but just Man, so good. So excited to see uh, to see a standalone movie. And also, we haven't really talked... Well, we talked a little bit about the title of the standalone movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, which we don't need to go into it now. But I have a just funny anecdote that I went to Indiana Comic Con with a frequent guest of, and friend of the show, Robert Feckus. And he pointed out that... And this is something I didn't really put together or anything, so I'm sure that it's always... It's all over the internet and everything. But the title, Spider-Man Homecoming, is kind of a funny... Like, he... Like it almost reads like a subtle like middle finger to to Sony saying like now he's home and I know yeah. that's a joint venture oh, yeah. but I just I love that and I love that thinking that and he really does feel like he's at home in this universe already. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I, I wanted to say I think I, I was equally as excited as everyone else about Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely, I don't think it could have been better. I don't think it could. I can't imagine a scenario where it would have been better. Um, but I think I think part of the strength of that performance and, and his role in this film uh, is the fact that he's not a lead. You know, he's trying to, he's a, a background character, an ancillary character. He's not controlling the action of the entire movie. And so the fact that he's trying to, he's being thr- thrust into this universe and he's trying to impress people and he's a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of the strength of it. So I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, all it all it did was boost my uh, enthusiasm for the new Spider-Man movie, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'm I, I, again I'm I was not even close to ready to say oh best Spider-Man ever because <laughs> you know yeah. he's going to have a different role in his own movie. He he really does work. Uh, this particular iteration worked well in that ensemble types uh, mm-hmm. scenario, and and one of the things in the past and and I am going to uh be the comic guy for a second um <laughs> is I've I've always um been a bit bothered by his presence in the Avengers in comics because he is always kind of thrust backward a little bit he's always kind of a supporting role and you know he's my favorite superhero I I I'm waiting for a big Marvel event where he saves the day and it just it, it hasn't happened yet but um you know, in in terms of screen accuracy, it's it's pretty close to how he is in the comics. Um, I thought his physicality was awesome. I really liked uh, the wit and the wisecracking. Um, I will say this, and and call me a curmudgeon. Uh, I di- I didn't think the Empire Strikes Back joke was all that funny. I I didn't either. Really, it's I thought like, it was okay, hilarious. So <sighs> as someone who loves Spider Man and loves comics and loves. Empire Strikes Back. Like I like that those lines are referenced. Mm-hmm. I also like the style of joke. I like that they're making fun of the fact that he is a lot younger than they are. However, as as a comedian, as someone who appreciates the craft of a joke, it felt like a yes dear sitcom joke. It did. Like 
Nobody says, hey, remember that old movie Empire Strikes Back? Because Peter Parker has seen Empire Strikes Back, (laughs) and he knows that Tony Stark has seen Empire Strikes Mm. Back. He's not an idiot. Yeah. And it it just seemed very forced and and very... uh, very force-fed to fanboys of both franchises. It kind of bugged me. It, huh. Me too, a little bit, for those exact reasons. Because no teenager, like I understand, I like the concept of the joke. Yes, he's a kid. He's gonna say he's uh, something that's so culturally culturally relevant, especially now. Like him saying it's an old movie is is funny because he's a kid. But it's also like this is Star Wars. If it was anything else, I would have been fine. But it's Star Wars, and he's it's Star Wars, and exactly. he's a nerd. Not that Star Wars is right anymore. He would say, he would say, "Hey, you know that scene uh, in Hoth, an Empire, when blah 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 blah." That's what he would say, and that would almost be even more effective. That would that would have been a more effective joke to handle it, like in the scene of that, and like him totally geeking out in the middle of this battle scene would have been hysterical. Exactly. I think they could have found another way to make the point that they're a lot older. I just feel like. Uh, as someone who appreciates the crafting of a joke, that joke doesn't actually work. Right. Yeah, I guess it's it's not believable. It's not believable, <laughs> yeah. but I laughed pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, in the moment I, I laughed, but yeah, it, when I, I was like, that's it's a little it's it's a little bit of a... I did too. I'll admit I laughed too, but it was like, <laughs> wait a second, you're smarter than this. <laughs> Fair right? enough. Yeah. yeah. What? That's not that's not that good of a joke. Yeah. Right. You're and, you're laughing because you love Empire Strikes Back, Mike. Yeah, and it, and and it felt a little bit just tongue in cheek, like incestuous between Disney properties too. Yeah, that's yeah. also true, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, my big problem with Spider Man though is that he didn't have you know slick black hair. He didn't dance or or be all depressed <laughs> about anything. So, <laughs> so Black Panther, Black was Panther. awesome. God, so cool. Chadwick Boseman mm-hmm. is so awesome. Yeah, I, I I've yeah. been a fan of him and everything I've seen him in. He was the one of the highlights of the movie Draft Day, which is a terrible movie. <laughs> and uh, I I think Forty Two is a little bit underrated. I think and I think he was the best part of it, hands down. So For I sure. think he I, was. I think he was definitely the best part of that. But I yeah. mean, the writing wasn't for him. But it was it was really good. Yeah, I, I think His he's an, he's like up and an up and coming actor, and mm-hmm. I think he has been for a while. And I'm glad to see him get a huge a huge blockbuster movie like mm-hmm. this and, and absolutely shine in it. Yeah, and I loved seeing. For me, like I had no context for what Black Panther was or what he was, what he, what his powers were, or, or anything like that. I had no concept going in, and just seeing it, like it's it's fully realized. Like it's it's very accessible for someone who has no context for the character, and like they spend a lot of time. Basically, this is almost his origin story, essentially, and yeah. it's. I mean, they do they weave it into the plot so. Like I said at the top of this episode, kind of effortlessly, kind of they make it so fluid and organic and and it's played up so well in the action scenes with him. Like it's just amazing. It's it's amazing. I I absolutely loved it and I can't wait to see what uh uh Kugler does with with Black Panther his standalone movie. I'm so excited for that movie now. Yeah. Me too. Yep. That'll yep. be great. So can we can we go ahead and talk about the action, the the set pieces and everything, and starting with kind of the big. Well, let's talk about. Let's start at the beginning. The the um kind of introductory sequence with with uh, Cap and and Falcon and and uh, oh wow, what is her name? Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Yeah, 
It's it's difficult because Black Widow is played by a woman named Scarlet. It is, that's, yeah. That's really bothersome to me. That's, that kind of trips me up a little bit, too. But the big crossbones scene, basically, and the kind of Im- impetus for the entire uh, Sokovia Accords as well. It, it's in uh, Lagos, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that that sequence, I, I, kind of, I kind of thought it was interesting that they just blew up crossbones i thought that he was going to be i wasn't expecting him to be a bigger a bigger villain in in the movie and in the in the universe as a whole but i i liked the the way that it played out and everything and the the look of horror on uh on elizabeth olsen's face when when she causes the collateral damage is so like that one scene alone it, it conveys so much and it's just so horrific and and it's just it's it was it was really well done to really well done to me and really well handled and I'm trying to bite my tongue to keep from the Man of Steel references that it's that's itching to get out but I'm not going to compare the two. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just it was so so it's well. It's there. Handled. The comparison is there. Yes. Yeah. But but we'll leave it we'll leave it there. Um, yeah. So what did you guys think of that big that big fight scene in the in the big chase sequence and well uh, i loved i loved the team aspect of it i love that mm-hmm. like you know falcon is uh is cap's guy i love that i love that he's got his kind of little team going on there yeah. uh and and just the dynamic was was really done well done uh and i have a friend who um is is not a big movie watcher and and he kind of disagrees with a lot of movies that are that are popular <laughs> he kind of just uh he he doesn't have a lot of interest and he and he and he doesn't like a lot of stuff. So um he kinda was bothered by he thought it was very chancy that uh Elizabeth Olsen blew up the side of the building and that's what started the conflict. And and my disagreement with him was that um it is chancy and that's the whole thing. And he and he just thinks that um you know, if he goes he goes, his problem was it looked like the Oklahoma City bombing. And if it would have blown up on the ground and killed the same amount of people, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But because she threw it up in the air, it killed a bunch of people. And I said, I get your point. I get the point that what difference does it make if it kills people on the ground or if it kills people that she does it. The movie's point is that that's how the public would react to it, right? Mm, true. Because it's her fault, or they would perceive it to be her fault, that's how the public would react, right? And that's how the government would say, well, we better do something about this. This is a big deal. Right. It's that's be- the whole point. It's because she made a choice. Right. So it, it, some of the fault falls on her shoulders inevitably, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's what I feel was conveyed in that, in that, in that look on her face when, when it happens. And... Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Mike. I, I can't put it really any any better. Yeah, I can't elaborate on that. That was you, yeah. you nailed it there. I, I I hope I explained it well enough. He he just he just thought that it was too much, and yeah, it was her decision. But also, like, would they have reacted so poorly if it blew up on the street and killed a bunch of people? And I said, yeah, and- no, because it looks like her fault, and that's the problem. Exactly. Yeah. That's how the public would react. Yeah, and I, and I can totally, I can see, I can see his point. I just, I don't, I don't agree with it. But yeah, I, I think that the the thing about it is that you can see. You can see that she's actively trying to get, you know, she's she's saving lives by doing this and by showing that that you know this collateral damage has happened. It shows that these that these enhanced people, as they're called in this universe, that they're that they're not they're not un, they're not 
perfect people. They're not infallible or anything. They're they're very they're very much prone to possibly making mistakes and and it's something that is organically created in the conflict of the movie that the that the government would that the world government would try to uh try to you know contain that and and control that um because now they're just running on their own and it's it's to a point where you can't put all your trust into that thing so the logic checks out for why they would why they would do the Sokovia accords because of that regardless yeah. of what regardless of on the ground or in the sky or in the sky but yeah 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 so yeah crossbones what do you guys think uh yeah i was surprised at how minimal his role was um but again you know what it it would have been it would have been clutter to to give him an extended role in this film right uh, and unfortunately he had to die <laughs> uh, and there's th- there's not another way they can really use him in the fr- in the, the franchise anymore um so yeah that's yeah. a little unfortunate i was kind of surprised but i i i don't know if i'm gonna miss him really <laughs> right i just yeah. like frank Same. grillo I, I just like frank grillo the actor yeah so yeah so mike you you agree and everything anything yeah yeah i agree i i <laughs> i um i mean the scene was cool I don't think he'll be missed. They didn't ruin crossbones from the comics. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But I'm sure there are people who think they did. Right. So then let's, let's kind of jump ahead to, okay. First of all, let's, let's talk about Peggy Carter and that, that whole sequence and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. She dies. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, the, um, I won't. That's a spoiler for for another thing, but I, I won't make that joke. But um, yeah, she she dies, and you know that's it's planted in in the Winter Soldier and everything. So so you kind of know to expect it. I I like that. I like that it it felt. I I don't know. I liked the emotion of it and how it carried through. And you have Sharon there. It's it's a good kind of entry point to have her have a bigger role in at least the Captain America story. And everything it just it just felt kind of right, and maybe that's because I knew going into it that to expect something like that, um just judging from what I read when um Emily van Camp was announced in the cast, so what do you guys think of that development in the story and how it how it uh influenced uh Steve in the movie? Go ahead, Mike i I don't think it was bad i I think it was well done um I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not looking for Captain America romance. It, um, I, I'm not saying it was shoehorned in, uh, but I, I feel like I was on Captain's side. I got his perspective without that scene. If we had to cut a scene in a long movie, it's it's the scene I would have cut. That's I fair. agree. Yeah, I, 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 I think the entire storyline from the first, uh, the first Captain America movie uh, till now, the whole storyline of Agent Carter and uh, and Cap it was shoehorned in. I, I never really cared. Yeah, um, me too. And, and I think part of that stems from the fact that the I really the first Captain America movie is my least favorite of all of this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I really do not like that movie very much. Um, and I, I just I, I never cared about their relationship. Um, I thought it was unfortunate that I, I think it's strange that they have tried to use her as his kind of like tether to the past, but they have Bucky Barnes there. So it's like, why can't he be that? Um, 
I realize his memories, uh, you know, screwed up, but right. I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't think she was really a necessary character, I guess. I don't, I just don't think she really needed to be there. And I don't know. I, I, I just didn't really care. See, I, I see your guys' point. Yeah, sure. But I, I think that she needed to be there because it is a Captain America movie and, Without without her and with that kind of development through at least these last two movies, we get – I think without that aspect of the story, we don't get Captain America the Winter Soldier or we don't get Captain America Civil War. We get Avengers 1.5 or 2 what, – when did it come out? 1.5 for the Winter Soldier or Avengers 2.5. Uh, Civil War. I think that that makes it more of a more of a Captain America story, and yeah. and it kind of grounds his development and it informs his actions a little bit more than I think you guys might might be giving him credit for. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I, think, I don't know. I think they should have done it a different way. I guess it's just something I ignored because I'm not too worried about Peggy Carter. And also, like Tiny, I dislike uh, the first Avenger, Captain right. America. Yeah, uh, that's understandable. And, and so I don't know. I uh, I I guess I could be wrong. I, and I'm and I think if Dustin's still listening, he's also screaming at me. No, Peggy Carter's awesome. <laughs> uh, but I, I will know, say. That the that the I I would disagree I would disagree uh, with your assessment that that's what uh, grounds uh, Winter Soldier as Captain yeah. America. I think that's a very Captain America movie. Okay, sure, sure, but I I just also and I guess Bucky is also kind of the the other te- yeah. tether. But I think that that just makes it more Steve Rogers' story. But um, I will say that in regards to Peggy. The young, probably I think teenager that was sitting in the row in front of me was devastated when uh, when when he got the text in the movie. Like she, <laughs> like she, like I thought she was gonna just start crying like crazy. Like she clearly watches Agent Carter. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> I mean, I watched one season and thought it was just okay, so I didn't watch season two. But yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So so the first, I I want to say that this is probably one of the first big big action set pieces, the chase. Um, with Cap and Black Panther and Bucky. And I just want to point out the freaking incredible, like I mentioned, I mentioned in my broad strokes that the action in the beginning part of the movie, at least until the airport sequence, uh, felt a little bit like, like it wasn't as novel to me as the, as the action set pieces in Winter Soldier was. But in that chase sequence with Bucky and Cap and Black Panther and everyone, um, the moment that Bucky like he he freaking takes a motorcycle like i think he like yes it's so amazing oh man yeah. he changes the direction in like midair and then jumps on it it's just so yes, beautiful I, I clapped it was so it was so amazing <laughs> yeah the acrobatics oh. of that were really impressive so incredible that was, that was one of my favorite parts too yeah I, I, I felt exactly the same yeah and then all while that is happening i'm like sitting there and this is my first introduction to black panther as as a as a as a superhero basically in in the in the movie and the way that like i'm learning his maneuvers and his the way that he's the his movements and everything it's just it's such a, an amazing set piece to me um so what do you guys think of of that and everything and also yeah yeah that really <laughs> well i mean it's a great introduction to black panther and mm-hmm. like his his capabilities and what his shtick is if you will um yeah i mean that's I think it was a great way to introduce him, and it's funny. Yeah, you know, was it 
that part at the end, he just pops his helmet off. And he's like, yeah. "Hey, what's up? I'm the the new king of Wakanda." <laughs> so yeah, like that. yeah. If, again, if there is any confusion about whether or not they care about <laughs> secret identities in this universe, they don't. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, Mike, what'd you think? What'd you think of that? Anything you want? I I really liked the scene as well, and and we're talking a lot about uh, the chase uh, through the through the tunnel, which I I thought deserves all the props it can get. But uh, I also thought the fight in the apartment was was equally yes. cool. And, yeah. Uh, you know, Captain America trying to keep Bucky in check, keep him from from mm-hmm. killing anybody. I thought was really awesome. Yeah, the the close quarters feel yeah. of that was very yeah. very potent. Just really. Mm-hmm. Really brutal, very uh, well choreographed. There's a part where uh, Bucky gets a hold of one of the one of the battering rams in yes. his yeah. uh, metal arm, which was just awesome. <laughs> so cool. You could like feel it. Oh yeah. Yes. As you're watching. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Very cool. I love the close quarters aspect of the apartment fight, and and like you said, Mike, about uh, Cap keeping him contained and everything. It was just such a such a good sequence and you knew the motivations and you knew what was going on at all times it was very very well well handled as most of the uh, all of the action sequences were for sure yeah totes for sure so can we go ahead and talk about this airport sequence because i'm yeah <laughs> this talk scene, about it this is the scene where i'm like this might be my favorite marvel cinematic universe moment nice because yeah. It's like, on one hand, yes, they are fighting each other, and it is like, it kind of, in the trailers, like, it kind of comes off a little cheesy that they're running at each other and they're about to start fighting, And but the context of it, it's like, like, no one, and, and they even kind of make reference to this, like, when, uh, when, uh, when Black Widow goes after Hawkeye and like they're like we're still friends right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I love that yeah it's it's so it's like it's like siblings wrestling around and and they're fighting because they one broke the other's favorite toy right and it's just it's so I mean and that's not to undersell the emotion of it and and the actual conflict between them but we get the real like that's one of the things that I appreciated about that final that final battle between uh Bucky and and Cap and uh, Tony is that we get the satisfaction of the 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 anger the anger yeah the anger yeah. and the real stakes at the end so it wasn't just a it wasn't just a just like a oh we're gonna we're gonna fight each other because we're disagreeing. It's like there were real stakes later on, but that sequence and it's so great and smart that they have both. It's so yes. smart. Oh yeah, because Batman oh, yeah. versus Superman was cheap, right? And all the it was settled because their name their mother's name was Martha. <laughs> it was such a dumb movie. It was so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. I agree completely. Yeah. Oh god. Where are the stakes anyway? Yeah. Whatever. So, but yeah, that sequence. And okay, did you guys did you guys notice notice this, or am I driving, or am I driving, or am I going crazy? But was the Bluth stair car there? I don't oh know. My God, I don't know. I, I I'm almost <laughs> positive it was. I'm almost Gosh, positive it so. was. Like I saw that and I was like, that's so. Like I actually said out loud, like, oh, that's awesome. That's. Let funny. me ask you this: mm-hmm. Did Spider Man hop on it? Because you're gonna get hop-ons. <laughs> oh, that's show. That's funny. that's great. God. Um, so if I could, and I don't know why I am doing, why why am I taking this perspective? I love the scene, <laughs> and if you ask me, the scene was perfect. Um, but my curmudgeonly friend uh, was not a super fan of it. In fact, he okay. he kind of wrote it off. A because he thought it was cheesy that they were running after each other. Um, why would any of them run after each other? 
Yeah. yeah. They are mostly flight slash distance based people. <laughs> okay. True. Right? I mean, that's kind of. I think. Which, uh, like, I was kind of like, uh, yeah, I see what you're, I see your point. Who cares? It was awesome. <laughs> I, I think it's because collateral damage is so fresh in their mind mm-hmm. and the uh-huh. fact that, that Tony, Tony did it. Yes. <laughs> Tony, uh, had them, uh, evacuate the airport so that, mm-hmm. just so they could fight. Yeah. So, and yeah. also Cap's team, the whole, the whole fight scene is cause they're trying to get to the jet. Right. And and, right. and Tony's team is trying to stop them, correct? Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. That that's the fight. That's the conflict in that scene. Mm-hmm. And so they're just try, they're just running toward the plane. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I think it's more them go, like like kind of working out their aggressions a little bit too. It's symbolic. I mean, yeah. 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 And also we get Spidey. Spider-Man. Yeah. So awesome. So so awesome. I I love how Un, like not not necessarily unproven, but how eager he is to please like his his boss basically like yeah. like this guy he admires that keeps talking about his hot aunt, and it's just it was so it was so great and his little quips and everything like at one point I don't remember the exact part I think it's when he webs um uh Bucky and and Falcon. But like he he says something and then they're they're just like we don't we don't usually talk during this. Yeah, it's it's so much fun and it's so so great and so fresh. Oh, it's so much fun and the acrobatics and the choreography of him moving around and 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 the web slinging is so fluid and just so well done. I just I had such a blast watching this. um, Well, yeah. So did I. It, it was great. Um, but we're kind of he kind of overshadowed the other great bit part, who which was Ant Man. Yes, which was also <laughs> hilarious and yeah. awesome. I, okay, so first of all, before all of this, uh, Paul Rudd's inter- introduction into the movie, I I just loved it so much. How he's just kind of nerding out, like he's like, "Oh, Captain America, you're so great!" Or I don't remember exactly what Th- he said. Thank you, thank you for thanking of me. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just it's you know, Ant Man. Ant Man. The further I got away from it, I thought that it was a. I thought that it was a good entry in the in the universe, and I thought that it was with all of its production problems, they made a really good, competent movie out of it. But it still felt a little bit like it was just you know kind of a, a supervillain that just kind of just wasn't as up to par and everything. And, and the action set pieces were good and everything. But this seeing Paul Rudd in Captain America: Civil War was like. Like this is where it like clicked that he fits in to this universe so well. Yeah, and he does. It was just it was yeah. just really satisfying to see that. And in the giant man thing, is that what it's called in the in the comics, Mike? Yeah. 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 That was so so cool. Yeah, it was. That was awesome. Oh. That was awesome. So awesome. good. So I didn't I didn't really understand the orange slices joke. Me neither. Like why did he ask that's just was random. That, is it is a reference like a, to something? Is, what did he say about orange slices? After he gets like knocked down, and I think he shrinks back down to, to normal man size, he's like, "Does anybody have any orange slices?" Well, I just took that. I don't know. It could be a specific reference. If it is, yeah. I don't know it. But I took it to be like, um, like at the end of baseball, right. Somebody's <laughs> mom would bring orange slices, and everybody would get an orange slice. Yeah, that's a really interesting take. I kind of took it as kind of a. Uh, 
kind of a like kind of get him out of his daze thing, kind of like a smelling salt kind of thing. That's that was uh, my oh, interpretation yeah. of it. But I don't, I, I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know. Maybe I still laughed. Oh yeah, me but too. I just, I, it was just kind of random. Yeah, and uh, just seeing like the like I I hate to go back to it, but the giant man thing was just like it's really good. Uh, and it was like that. It was like that really old movie, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Anyway, um, that was a stupid joke. That was dumb. Yeah, it was. Anyway, yeah. So that whole sequence was was fantastic. And and even though they were like they refer like I think um, I think Scarlet Witch references that um, they're pulling their punches, or, or I think that she said that one character was pulling their punches. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah. And like, yeah, there the stakes of it, like you know, well, uh, the stakes of it, you know, in that moment, in in the fight and everything, nothing too severe is going to happen. But it's just so incredible to see all of these people that have all of these abilities and all of these powers go at it and duke it out, even though they're pulling their punches, even though you know that the stakes aren't that great, um, you know that it's it's still satisfying to see all of these powers all at once, all on display and filmed so cohesively cohesively yeah yeah it's just incredible however there were stakes because uh uh war machine gets pretty uh a little banged up a little banged up yeah Yeah. just a little bit gets damaged do you guys think he should have died i don't know Uh, i think it i think so yeah i think it would have got what did you say tiny i think it would have it would have it would have been prematurely raised the stakes i think it would have been a little a little too heavy for a movie that's so contingent on f- kind of snappy repartee and yeah. and yeah. and uh and and the the comedy the that's and it would have just dampened the rest of the movie a little bit having said that i mean he the the sequence is inc- like incredibly terrifying just just seeing him just fall and the yeah. thud at oh, the end man. that was just it was freaking beautiful brutal and it was just uh, it conveyed enough of the heaviness that it needed to without actually killing him off yeah it was bleak enough yeah oh yeah and i like that it was the vision that just it's purely by accident it's not like it it was it was an accident i I like that it was an accident and it wasn't something that uh like no one did it out of anger or or out of like wanting to irreparably damage him right. or, or kill him. I, I like that it was just an honest mistake, much like um, Scarlet Witch in, in I think, I think it was Lagos. I it was Lagos. Lagos. Yeah, yeah. Lagos at the beginning. Like that's, it shows that they're not perfect people, not perfect beings that, that they're going to make mistakes. And I think that's kind of an underlying thing mm-hmm. through, right. throughout For it. Sure. And I, I thought that it was handled really well. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Um, so the finale. Yeah, let's let's yeah let's do that. We should jump to that. Oh I yeah, think. yeah. So as we said before, the idea that that there were all of these super soldier specimens that he was going to wake up or whatever, like the misdirect of that. Like, I mean, I was all like I said, I was I was geared up for it and everything. But what we got was so satisfying and such a better better thing for it. I get the sense that if. <laughs> I get the sense that if we they would have gone with the super soldier plot and then that they would have been fighting all of these different superpower beings, I feel like that that would have spelled doomsday for the movie. Um, <laughs> <Hey-o>! <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, the just 
I, I like that the lead up to that is Tony talking to uh, Cap's people when they're imprisoned and he's he's like they don't trust him anymore and they like the power of that scene just was really well done and I like that uh, I like that he comes to the scenario or he comes to the to the location like ready to just you know make amends and fight with his buddy um of course Zemo had different uh different plans but what did you guys think of the lead up to it and the actual fight well again the lead up to it i think was great it's it's such it was such an effective misdirect um you know i think as an audience we wanted to buy it too we wanted to mm-hmm. we wanted to be misled um i know i did and and it was just great it was it was, it was perfectly effective mm-hmm. yeah i think so too we we kind of hit on that and i i believed it i loved it i felt it it was awesome yeah and I mean, just the reveal also, we talked about the reveal earlier, but the actual fight between those three was just, I, oh my God, it was so, so brutal, so raw and so emotional. And you could tell in the, in the choreography and the way that they moved. And it, it was just so like seeing Tony in that way, like you can tell, like he's, this has changed him and he's, he's, he's like, there's, I was sitting there thinking like, there's no way like there's he can't change like it's not going to be like a simple like oh hey wait hang on you know you know he was brainwashed all the it's like he's he's out for blood and it was just yeah. so communicated yeah, so sure. well and i just i loved the rawness of it also the the security footage um mm-hmm. was brutal i mean yeah he essentially bludgeons uh yeah that's uh, true that's tony's true. dad to death and then with his human arm not even his metal arm chokes his mother to death yes i mean that was yeah. that was really brutal and I, but i think it needed to be mm-hmm. you know because you need you need you needed the raw emotion of tony just like you said out for blood right uh, you needed that and i think that was an amazing vehicle for that. Right. Uh, that was maybe poor choice of words, um, <laughs> but uh, um, but oh. I man, it was. Uh, I I'm glad they went that far with it. I'll put mm-hmm. it that way. It was good. Yeah, me too. And me the, too. I thought it was awesome. I love go, what were you gonna say, Tony? I was saying the brutality of the fight afterwards itself. It was you know hand to hand, not a lot of mm-hmm. flair. It's just brutality, pounding, pound and ground fighting. Very. Mm-hmm very um emotion anger driven you know it's not it's not precise choreography it's just it's just bare knuckle balls to the wall fighting mm-hmm. I, I i appreciated that style i love there's the there's the moment where you get the the comic book cover shot where they're kind of yeah. like yeah. between two beams and then the uh the repulsor blast is like bouncing off the shield mm-hmm. it's just a just a beautiful shot the other thing i love uh, and <laughs> this kind of sounds like a good place to end, but, um, <laughs> the other thing I love is that for the first time ever in a, in a versus movie, somebody wins yeah. now, now I'm, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe Captain America hasn't won the war, but he wins the fist fight mm-hmm. and yeah. walks away the winner. And I'm, and I, uh, I guess, you know, I'm a, I'm a Captain America fan team cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I thought it was cool that for the first time ever, in a in a versus movie, somebody won. Yeah, agreed. And I love the look of kind of terror on Tony's face when when Cap has the shield, he's about to bring it down. You think for just a split second, like is he gonna decapitate him? Yeah, it's just yeah. like there's yeah. a, there's a brief look of horror on Tony's face, and then he just takes it into into the chest, and it was just 
man, that just it was the perfect end to that to that scene. And I love that like even though even though there is a winner and everything, that their conflict isn't resolved, their 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 issues aren't resolved. And I love that Tony ends with saying, like, this is my father made that shield, it doesn't belong to you or whatever, and then Cap just drops the shield. It's just so Mm. Yeah, I loved it so much. Yeah, like Tony, yeah. he's being a sore loser essentially, yeah. and yes, and Cap's just like it's not about that, mm. and that's why he just drops the shield without a second thought. He's like, here, yeah, yeah that was that was again very because Tony Stark doesn't know what it's like to lose, right? And he's and he's yeah. playing on his emotions too, like right. It's, it's he's playing on his emotions. Response. He's also defeated, and again, mm-hmm. he also knows that Captain America is better. Yeah, and right, which I yeah. love, and right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Although you got to hand it to to Tony, I mean, he held his own. He really did. It's two like he does. superpowered he does. Like, soldiers, like yeah. World War Two trained soldiers. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like hats off to Tony. Word. Um. So yeah, as we're kind of winding down this this review and everything, let's let's just kind of talk about. Well, okay, let's talk about the the tags, the the two stingers at the like the one after the. Initial credits and then the the end credits. So the first one where we see that um, uh, Bucky is being put into a, like a cryo chamber and and uh, uh, it's uh, in Wakanda with with mm-hmm. Black Panther. Like, what did you guys think of that? What did you glean from that? And did you enjoy it? <laughs> I, I did enjoy it. I think it was a nice end cap, and I, I like that it further um, it it gave further relevance to. Um, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. They're 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 throwing all their their chips at Black Panther. I mean, they he wasn't just kind of thrown in the mix. He was mm-hmm. integral to this story, and he's going to be integral to the rest of the the cinematic universe. And I think that was just a cool thing to do. Right, and I thought it was a good end, Iron, because you said end count. Oh, that's nice. Anyway, oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I and I like the the visual style of like the high tech stuff that that. I think that the the aesthetic of of the high techness that Black Panther has has at his disposal is going to yeah. be really interesting for for the movie because the movie is going to be in in Wakanda and it's going to be is that am I, am I pronouncing that correctly Yeah okay yeah. and uh, and it's going to be a different world basically and I, I like that we have that technology and 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 I I, I like that he has that to play with Yeah Mike I feel this I I these days I feel the same way about stingers as I do. Uh, about uh, encores at a concert. I love them. Man, they're fun. But they're so obligatory and unnecessary anymore that they kind of... Uh, they they get a little annoying at mm-hmm. times. Yeah, I, You could just use that in the movie. I, I, they're, they're just weird. Mm-hmm. I really... I st- my favorite one... Um, well, my favorite one is the first, right? Where Tony mm-hmm. Stark walks in. Uh, or or uh, Nick Fury walks in and says, I'm putting a team together because that's something new. So that's great. something surprising. That's something fresh. Mm-hmm. That's something they've never done before. And then the other one I like is where they're eating shawarma uh, at the end of <laughs> Avengers because yeah. that's funny. Other than that, it's just information they could have put into the movie. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm sorry to be such a downer. No, no. I, of course they're cool. Of course I love it. But uh, do we need them anymore? Well, that's how I felt about the Spider-Man one. Mm-hmm. The very end, the very last one. I, I don't think I got. Did we get anything out of that? Just no. that Tony. No, he's got a spider Is that what that was? Because I got I I what I took from that was that he, that like he he activated it in the blinking light. Like maybe he has like files of information that he can use to en- enhance his 
his uh, suits and stuff like that. Then uh, that's what I took. Could be, it. could be. Looked like a spider signal to me. Okay, <laughs> okay. But what? But my main thing, the reason why I actually enjoyed that tag a lot was that. And granted, this isn't really indicative of Captain America movies. It wasn't this. It wasn't the way with uh, the Winter Soldier, but. After seeing like the tag for Age of Ultron, I'm just I'm glad that this movie exists and this movie doesn't have any Thanos stuff in it because I feel like we've they've been slowly yeah. building up Thanos and it was really kind of egregious in Age of Ultron and even with the ending like I I dug the ending where he has the gauntlet and he says I'll do it myself it's like okay so we've been seeing this for like eight years. Do it already. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and I, I'm glad that we don't have to have like a Thanos Easter egg or anything like that in this movie because this movie is re- really important to the characters of the of the universe, and we don't need to have that kind of that kind of teaser for something that we're not even going to see for another two, three years. Yeah. So yeah, agreed. Yep. So, does that wrap us up for the, for the review of Captain America: Civil War? Anything else you guys want to talk about or or get in before we switch over? That was pretty ex- good to me. pretty extensive. I think we're mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Well, um, you guys want to do a brief potpourri? Very brief. Yeah. Okay. Sure. First of all, I just want to briefly run through a few things that some other podcasters have said to me. Um, basically, friends of the show have I've been texting them and tweeting them and messaging them on Facebook, and I just want to just want to. Uh, give them shout outs and say what they said. So Pat from the nerds you're looking for said Captain America civil war is everything I wanted it to be. The villain isn't great, but I figured it wouldn't be till they finally get to Thanos. Uh, Brian Davis from film schlubs said civil war works because it's humans versus humans for the most part. And when you thought a doomsday moment was coming, they tied everything together via it's a uh, leitmotif and kept it a human versus human story without any alien slash robot nonsense. Jeff from it's <laughs> pretty good. Oh yeah, I mentioned that uh, that this that Civil War and Winter Soldier are kind of neck and neck for my favorite of the universe. And Jeff Palermo from Sci-Fi on Screen said, "I feel similar, but for me, Winter Soldier is the better movie. The action scenes in Winter er, and uh, Civil War didn't have the crispness and clarity that Winter Soldier had. I got that right away. Was very surprised, but he uh, still enjoyed it." And uh, finally, Doug from Movie Madness Podcast said, Best Marvel movie to date, Guardians is still more fun, but Civil War has such balance. And I agree with, with that assessment. Yeah, so, yeah nice. Yeah. Oh. All right, so we're going to go ahead and do a brief potpourri section, which for first-time listeners of the podcast, potpourri is the section of the podcast where we basically talk about things that we've watched lately or looking forward to or anything that's on our obsessive viewer minds basically it's anything we want as long as it smells good and mike do you want to get us kicked off with potpourri yeah i'll start uh haven't haven't done my uh my segments in a while what was the segment that i missed uh, that i was gonna record but then we decided i was just gonna be on the show do you guys remember what movie i I saw i do not it was the movie after the jungle book i believe it was after the jungle book and before captain america i don't remember what it was I don't know. Apparently, it doesn't matter. Uh, but what I do want to talk about is I, I've kind of taken in. Um, I've always wanted to watch some of the the animated DC movies that are out there. Really, the any any of the animated comic book movies. Um, um, I'm not a big fan of animated movies. Um, 
I, I, I don't know why. I just never have been. But like every time I see one pop up, I'm always interested. And they're, they've made a big stink about the fact that the killing joke is coming out. And Mark Hamill is the Joker and Kevin Conroy is Batman. And people are kind of excited. And so, I, like, I'm excited for the idea of it, but I didn't really have any intention to see it. So, uh, I thought, you know, I, I have a little bit of time. I'm sitting around. I'm, uh, playing Pokemon, uh, I could I could have it on in the background, and so I started watching uh, Son of Batman, which is the story of how Damian Wayne uh, becomes Robin, which was was really cool. Great animation. Uh, the voice actor for Batman was a little a little weird, and uh, you don't get to see a whole lot of Bruce Wayne, so Batman feels very uh, very stock, very like. Uh, 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 it's hard to separate the fact that somebody drew him, if that makes any sense. Okay. Huh, okay. Huh. But also, uh, surprisingly violent for a cartoon. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. A lot of, a lot of slashes, a lot of blood. Uh, and then before this podcast started, I got, um, about an hour into the Flashpoint Paradox, which, which started out pretty well, and, uh, I, I look forward to finishing that. Interesting. I know that DC, uh, has really kind of cornered corner of the market really on on animated feature length movies and i know that they get a lot of buzz and a lot of appeal for the fan base and everything so it's interesting I, i'm glad that you enjoyed it yeah yeah i'm looking forward to the killing joke hmm. cool yeah. i know for sure nice cool so tiny what documentary do you have for us this week <laughs> i actually do i, I did a couple <laughs> fiction movies in a row there so mm-hmm. uh, i watched a documentary called uh catching the sun and it I, shockingly, I didn't love it because I, I, really? I tend to love all the documentaries mm-hmm. I watch. But uh, this was this was about the future of solar energy, uh, okay. specifically in the United States, more than any more than anything. Um, it, it focuses on how it can be not only a environmental, but an uh, mostly an economic uh, boost for our country and for the entire world. Um, it it kind of follows a, a guy who's out of work and he goes into this training program to where he can work in the solar field and, and, and install uh, panels and stuff like that and know how the circuits work. Um, it follows uh, a gentleman by the name of Van Jones, who's kind of like a political pundit, uh, and he, he's chosen to focus on uh, environmentalism and the future of solar energy. And for a while, he was uh, President Obama's uh, green job czar, if you will. Um, it didn't last very long, but he worked in the White House for a while. So he has a book out there called uh, "The Green Collar Economy," which I actually read. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, so he, he's 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 a pretty enigmatic man. I I think he's an interesting person. So uh, it's it's kind of cool to see him behind the scenes. I I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, the documentary was just okay. Honestly, I I, I didn't I didn't get any earth shattering information. There was nothing that was really cool about it. It didn't, didn't even have a particular style. Um, but I, I'm pretty passionate about this particular issue. I think, uh, I think the United States can have a a huge role in the future of solar energy. And I think that's a good direction to take, um, our energy future is, is the solar direction. Uh, it's, I think it just makes sense. Um, so I, I seek out information about that, uh, that issue, and this was an, another piece of it. Unfortunately, not as uh, enthralling as some of the stuff I found. Even mm-hmm. there's some articles that I've enjoyed more than this documentary. <laughs> um, but you know, 
I'll take what I can get. Um, it, it was okay. It's on Netflix. I think it was, it was like barely over an hour. It was barely like a feature length documentary. Um, it was okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that I've got nothing. For that. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> Another documentary. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, so I haven't, I haven't really gotten a chance to really watch anything outside of what I've been podcasting about, whether that's here or on uh, my guest spot on Film Schlubs or um, uh, for anthology. But recently, I've been, <laughs> I've been seduced back into. Um, watching the simpsons like classic simpsons and i've actually been listening to a podcast called everything is coming up uh podcast which <laughs> is uh hosted by Allie gertz and and julia prescott and they basically have a guest on every episode and they the guest brings to the table their favorite simpsons episode and they just discuss it. it's very laid back and very conversational and it's it's very much a celebration of the institution of the simpsons and hearing them talk about it so passionately makes me made me just really want to go home and just watch the simpsons forever <laughs> and uh i've been watching like a couple episodes here and there just classic classic episodes like radioactive man just and it's just so I mean, obviously, classic Simpsons, and I don't know how they are today, but the just the classic years are just so some of the greatest TV writing of all time. And it really is. It's, it really is. It's so majestic. It's so just so brilliant. I can't even. I I can't imagine the brilliance of it. And it's funny because hearing them talk on that podcast about you know the writers' room and and how. How like uh, like behind the scenes like little factoids and stuff like that. I'm thinking like it's it's a bizarre thing because like in my head it's like I've grown up with The Simpsons. Like it was a very it's making me realize how much of a emotional bond I have with the with Springfield and its characters and everything. And and it's it's just so weird to think like I, it's the classic like little kid realizing that that people create the things that you love. It's like like people like there's writer's room that are there's a writer's room that's breaking the jokes and everything it's like because it feels so seamless but i don't know it's 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 just it's it's amazing to kind of reconnect with with the show and uh yeah it's it's just so brilliant so freaking brilliant that's cool Uh, man yeah i just i i love it and like i'm just going like i'm not like going in any discernible order i'm just kind of picking out episodes here and there but yeah it's it's so great nice yeah, and that about does it for this week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Lengthy episode. Lengthy episode, yeah. How are we at on recording? Uh, well, the recording is uh, over two hours. Holy crap. So Okay, so that about does it for this week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer. And to remind you guys, here in like how many? Six, six five, weeks. six weeks, we're yeah. going to be at Indie PopCon. That's the weekend of June 17th. And uh, we're going to have stuff at the booth to give away candy stuff like that we're gonna probably have stickers and and a bunch of stuff we haven't really talked about it and we'll be there and we'll be there you can yes meet a celebrity right yeah. don't take this away from me Matt. anyway <laughs> no so that that's gonna be fun then i think tomorrow tiny you and i and, and greg we're gonna meet for a shocktober maybe? yeah we are yeah. start planning yeah with shocktober oh shocktober right? the third season of the witch oh yes shocktober and irvington three is gonna be october 14th uh at the irving theater so we'll have more details in the months to come but it's man it's it's gonna be fun nice so yeah cool. um 
So that does it for us, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. I think we're going to do a topic episode. Something, uh, yeah, we're not sure yet. Music slash musician, yeah, maybe. Possibly. Oh, we're doing that one. I, yeah, if you guys want to, yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I want to do. That'll be good. Okay, cool. cool. So join us next week for that, and we'll see you then. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Very cool. And apparently, I'm going to get this wrong exactly, but I think the people who did the uh, choreography or or some some aspect of uh, yeah of john, the raid oh i was gonna say john wick oh also uh, did, also did some uh, stuff on this movie did they do uh, i know the the people who did the winter soldier is the is the choreographer who did the raid right and uh the like choreographer for um uh what did i just say <laughs> john wick for john wick also helped on this movie I okay. th- I just heard that on a podcast. So. Helped or was replaced or replaced? I don't know exactly. Yeah, but how did you guys like John Wick? I I did. I thought it was fun. I, I was underwhelmed. Really? I, I thought it was going to be the next great thing, and it was just okay. People people were making it out to be like that. Um, I don't know. I I enjoyed it. I thought the action the action sequences were really good in it. So, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loud Like from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. All right. I've run out of patience. On the roof! Hey, everyone.